introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Jason. We're running a little light, but we do have the men who we've been putting to work this month, who've been bringing you the one-a-day draft series. And now that all that work's done, uh, we figured we'd bring them in and do a little mock draft real quick. So everyone's been doing these simulators across the board. There's probably a million of them that you've seen, but you haven't seen one done live. You're not going to see this one either. You're going to hear it. One done live by our draft analysts, Jordan, Jr., Miles, coming in here. No prep. Don't know what the what the simulator is going to give them, but we're going to go through. We're going to talk it out, and they have to come to a consensus. So as for us to uh, to move on with the pick here, so we are starting this thing out. We're going to go with the CBS aggregate board on Fan Speak. Uh, we wanted to use the uh, the Draft Network one, but looks like too many people are using that one right now, so we couldn't get in. Uh, before we jump on all that stuff, uh, gentlemen, it's been a little bit. JR, my man, how you doing? How you been? Good, man. Count out the day, Ugh. counting down the days until the draft. I've been talking so much, I can't talk no more for whatever reason. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is probably your 13th podcast of the day with some TV appearances dropped in, maybe some radio. So, I mean, we understand if you are a little tongue tied at this point in the day, we'll give you a right. pass. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, Miles, my man, how's it going? How are things on your end? <laughs> things are good. I don't get the same excuse as Jair, but things are good. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> gentlemen, uh, we will jump right to this. We're using the uh, the CBS Sports Aggregate Board. We, we would have liked to use JR's board, but it's not on there right now. So this is what we're doing. This is the one we're using. And we're just going to jump right into this right here. So uh, let's draft. See how this thing goes. All right, and so as it moves along here, uh, no big surprises just yet. Things are going along, I think, as uh, we would expect them to go here. Minnesota's pick is about to come up, and here we are on the clock at 18. Available players, uh, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Garrett Bradbury, and a host of others, J.R. Miles. You can see who is uh, available there. J.R., I'll start with you. Which way are you going with this pick? Uh, this one's tough for me, but I think it's between two people, Christian Wilkins and Garrett Bradbury. And I'm going to go with Bradbury. And that's because the Vikings have a huge need on the interior offensive line. And I think he's one of the better players to fit that in this draft. And I know defensive tackle is a need, but I think this is a very talent-rich group. And they maybe can get their guy in the second or third round. But as far as interior guys, I don't think there's any other upper echelon type of talents like a Garrett Bradbury in the following round. So I'm going to go with Bradbury, place him at center, and then move Elf line to left guard. Okay. And uh, Miles, where are you going? I guess you're looking up here. You're seeing the board. Uh, who are the players that you like based on uh, based on who's available? Yeah, so I see Andre Dillard's available and Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary. Christian Wilkins, Garrett Bradbury. So there's a there's a lot of guys that are available. Um, to Jr's point, you know, you kind of look at it as it might be an easier move to to draft someone like Garrett Bradbury and move him to center, and then kick someone like Pat kick Pat Elfline over to guard. Pat Elfline pre- has previously played guard, um, so that that's a really good move because Bradbury's arguably the best center and is is 
in my opinion, the best center of the draft. Um, or you could go the offensive tackle route in Andre Dillard and kind of have your uh, your bookend tackles in Andre Dillard and Brian O'Neill for the future. And then, but you'd probably need to kick Riley Reef inside the guard. So there's some of that. Can Reef can Riley Reef hit get the, get to the second level for, uh, from the guard position? Uh, can he can he move and and do some of the things that that's being asked of a guard as can, compared to what he does at tackle? We don't know because we've never seen it. Uh, so that's that's a tough that's a tough one. I mean, obviously you want you want to try to draft for uh, BPA like best player available more than just making it about need. But um, in this situation, I'd personally probably go Andre Dillard, but I'd have no issue going uh, Garrett Bradbury either. Can I add something? Yes, you certainly may. So the screen wasn't scrolled all the way to the top, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't see all these other guys. Good job, Jason. Able. Hey, hey, hey. This It's the first time we're going through this here. There's, there's going to be some growing pains with it. I figured once I scrolled up, though, JR would have something to say. So, JR, where you at with it now? I'd like to go back on my word, and I would, I would take Andre Dillard. Okay, well, we have consensus. Our first pick is Andre Dillard, and we will now see how the rest of this round plays itself out. So while we're letting this happen here, JR, Andre Dillard is a player that you've been uh, you've been pounding the table for a little while here. Can you just let us know why you do like this player as much as you do? Yeah, and I like him because I kind of learned my lesson from Brian O'Neill last year, and you really have to project what guys can be instead of judging them in their current state. And we're seeing that athletic linemen who are former basketball players and have a former athletic background are really the new mold in the NFL, especially for teams that are incorporating that zone scheme. They want guys that can move well laterally as opposed to vertically or just a combination between the two. And that's exactly what Dillard is. Now, the system at Washington State kind of did him a disservice as far as their splits, their wide splits. So he didn't really see a lot of what's called wide nine techniques or guys that had a lot of power. And he was in a conference that really didn't have a lot of high upper echelon edge rushers. So the speed of the game is going to be a bit of an adjustment for him. But he is already a natural pass protector and a guy who I think is by far the best pass protector in this class. But he has some work to do as far as a run blocker. And I think he's a bit better of a run blocker than what given credit for. So I'm willing to bet on that type of upside just because we saw a prime example of that with Brian O'Neill. And I know evaluations are separate. But they're guys that have similar skill sets, and I think, and I think Dillard is much more polished than what O'Neill was coming out. And just having those two guys as your bookends, I think, could be really intriguing for the future. And we've seen how much easier guards are to find as opposed to tackles. All right, love it, love it, love it, and that's some great analysis. And we are now back on the clock. It is round two, Miles. I'll let you go first on this one, just to, to paint the picture here. The players that are available. Uh, Taylor Rapp, we got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jonathan Abrams, Rocky Sin, Devo Samuel, Julian Love, Paris Campbell, Hakeem Butler, Mac Wilson, Irv Smith Jr., Deontay Thompson. Miles, uh, where are you going with this pick? Yeah, the, <laughs> I'm a big uh, Hakeem Butler fan. And do I believe wide receiver three is a major need for the Vikings? I don't know if – I don't believe it's a major need, but – That'd be one of the top names on my list that I see. Debo Samuels right there, too. Um, if you want to add another wide receiver, Irv Smith Jr., getting that tight end of the future. Elgin, Jank- El- Elgin Jenkins from Mississippi State. <laughs> I can't even say the name. Uh, I- I'm honestly G- glad that you went G- with it G- first because I was silent. about to mess that all up. 
Elton Jenkins. Yeah, oh, okay. the GA silent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man. Um, and then Darnell Savage, he's arguably my favorite safety in the class. Um, I think he could fit kind of what you want opposite of Harrison Smith. So there, there's a lot of options. There's quite a bit of safeties available, uh, wide receivers, and then uh, or a tight end like Irv Smith or an offensive lineman like uh, Elton Jenkins. So uh, that's, this is a tough one for me. I'm probably going to go Hakeem Butler because he's my my top-rated wide receiver in the class, uh, and I just think I really like his upside. Okay, all right, Hakeem Butler. Miles going maybe a little off script for many people here. JR, bringing it to you. Where are you going with this pick here in round two? Yeah, this is a tough one for me too just because there's so many intriguing players on the board. Uh, my highest-rated player left on the board would be Hakeem Butler. And I actually agree with Miles to this point, and I know wide receiver three is not a huge need or one that's at the top of the food chain or priority list. But, I mean, I'm always good with stacking talent. And then Hakeem Butler is a bit of a project, and I think he's a guy that's only going to get better with reps. And we're one injury away at the wide receiver spot from really only having one go-to option, whether that's stealing or dig. So you bring in a guy like Hakeem Butler. He'll get plenty of reps on the outside with Thielen manning the slot and Diggs manning the other outside position. And you really can interchange those two while Hakeem Butler still mans that X receiver position. And he's that big go-to target that really fits and complements those two guys very well. Definitely. All right. And well, the nice part too is in round one, we got that out. We got an offensive lineman. We got that position in need. Yep. So I really feel like that really helps make day two a little bit more, uh, BPA because I mean yeah I believe we took the best player available in Andre Dillard but you also took a, a, a position of need so I feel like that that just kind of helps uh, the rest of the draft out in my opinion. Not All right, Miles, really give me a little bit more on Hakeem Butler here while this thing scrolls through to our next pick. I know he's your wide receiver one, and you know y'all should have been listening to the series to hear what Miles had to say. But if you missed it, <laughs> give me a quick synopsis of why Hakeem Butler is your wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean I I just think that his ability at his size to uh, to be able to uh, run run pretty solid routes, um, his ability to bend for for his size, his downfield um, ability, as well as uh, being able to out rebound uh, defensive backs is is really big. He's a he's the kind of guy that that is really good after the catch, especially for someone. You know, you see a big big length of guys like him, you kind of don't expect them to be all that good after the after the catch. But he's he's really good after the catch. Uh, he's like I said, he's that big rebounder. He's that guy that. Um, you want to win that's gonna that you expect to win um, jump ball situations that basketball type player uh, I like to say he's kind of like a poor man's AJ Green obviously some of the the drops have been a little bit more of an issue for him than than AJ Green AJ Green's probably one of the better uh, prospects we've seen in um, at wide receiver for a, a long time coming out but uh, I think Hakeem Butler's ceiling um, is pretty high and and his ability to kind of catch the ball away from his body um, and kind of be that accuracy eraser. Um, if he can clean up some of those uh, those drops, those concentration drops, I think I think he could be a really good player. All right, I love it. I love it. And uh, we are back on the clock. It is round three. Some of the players still available: Elton Jenkins, Darnell Savage, Damian Harris, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Joe Jackson, Voshan Joseph, uh, Darrell Henderson amongst others. Uh, JR, you can go first, and if there are any position groups you want me to take a closer look at, let me know. JR, you still with me? I think you're on mute. 
Yeah, but uh, you are I'm on you are definitely bad. on mute, but it is your turn to uh, to go first and let us know what direction you're going with this pick. I had just made the pick, too, my bad. Um, <laughs> so I said it's between two guys and Elton Jenkins and Darnell Savage. But once again, I'm of the firm believer that you should stack talent whenever a guy is there. And I think this is an easy choice for me. I think it's Darnell Savage, even though you have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris in place. And I know a lot of those guys on the back end are entering contract years, including Harris and J. Ron Kirk. So you're going to have to make a decision there. But the great thing about Darnell Savage is that the Vikings like to incorporate a three-man safety rotation, which is what they did last year. And Savage can be your instant nickel guy as well. He's not just a strong safety or a free safety. And we've seen how much Mike Zimmer likes to interchange a lot of those guys, especially with using Harrison Smith as that ultimate chess piece, whether that's having Anthony Harris at free safety or bringing him down into the box as well and having that guy that can play that true one-high center field role. And Savage can do that. He also, as I alluded to earlier, can come down and play nickel and guard those tight ends or those short and shifty slot receivers in the slot. So I'm a big fan of Darnell Savage, and I think he would be a steal here. All right, Miles. Well, uh, you had some some favorable things to say about Mr. Savage. So uh, <laughs> should I assume that you're in agreement, or is there anyone else here you might be looking at? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe those are the top two options, Ellen Jenkins and uh, Darnell Savage. Um, and to Jared's point, with Darnell Savage being able to play the nickel with a guy like Mike Hughes, coming off of his uh, his uh, ACL injury and Holton Hill being suspended for the first four games, you're kind of looking at Trey Waynes, uh, Xavier Rhodes, and Mackenzie Alexander right now as your top three corners. The There's talk out there that Trey, Trey Waynes could potentially be moved. I'm not – obviously he has been moved, so hard to hard to say exactly. But if they were to, to move a guy like Trey Waynes, you could kick Mack outside in base and then – bring in a guy like Darnell Savage to help um, supplant some of the, the missed snaps from, uh, from missing a guy like uh, Holton Hill. And if Hughes isn't quite ready to go, you could, you could help, you could help yourself out in that, in that scenario if you were to move on from Trey Wayne's during the draft. But yeah, I'd go with Darnell Savage in this situation as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, the Vikings are about to be back on the clock here yet again, moving into a, uh, Round four, some might say the uh, the last real round of the draft before you're just taking uh, throwing darts and, and, and taking shots. But uh, we are back up. We are on the clock here. And some of the players that we do have available are Dawson Knox, Elijah Holyfield, Justin Hill, Isaiah Johnson, Rodney Anderson, Foster Moreau, Benny Snell, Marquise Blair, Chuma, Uduga. And yeah, that's it. JR, where are you at with it? Where are you going? Based on who we have available. Yeah, this is an easy choice for me. I think it's Dawson Knox, and he's the highest-ranked player actually on my board still available here at this spot. And the Vikings have a need at tight end, specifically a receiving type of threat, and that's exactly what Dawson Knox can be. And I know he's never recorded a touchdown in his career at Ole Miss, but when he did get the ball, he really showed some positive flashes, but also he can help as an inline blocker too, which is something that the Vikings require of their tight ends. They're not just going to let them be a one-way type of player. And Dawson Knox has shown to be that versatile type of asset to the offense, and he can be that young option that they bring in behind Kyle Rudolph and David Morgan. Okay, Miles, and uh, for you, which way are you going based on who's available? Who are the players that you'd be considering at this point? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with, uh, with Jair. I'd, I'd go Dawson Knox here, I think. He he's the the prototypical uh, new age receiver, um, athletically tested extremely well. 
Uh, only thing that's kind of down there is the, is the production. But the nice part about that is, is you don't, you're not asking him to come in and be your tight end one right away. And you're also just uh, a lot, you're, he can help stretch the field day, from day one as well. So he can, he can be a contributor, but he's not, he's not someone that you have to rely on uh, day one. So, you, but you have that, that guy in place. So I think it's a good fit. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously in this case here, you know, taking a look at Dawson Knox, <laughs> what, uh, what made you I guess, go that way versus, you know, some of the other guys that I know that miles, when we went through the tight end, some guys that you liked as upside plays like a foster Moreau or a Kahaley Waring, uh, what made you kind of go to Dawson Knox, given that he does have those challenges from a production standpoint? I, I think it's just the overall um, upside. I think he's got higher upside than both those guys. I think they're. Uh, I think a Hale Warren would have been my other option here if I was picking between two, the two tight ends. Um, I think, uh, like, but like I said, I think uh, Knox has a little bit more uh, upside than Warren does, and blocking ability. I think that's a little bit more of a option. I know we talked about blocking not having to be a criteria but it's, it's it's something that that you you need especially in a uh, in an offense like this they they kind of want their their receivers and expect their receivers to be able to block in some capacity jr is it a similar thing for you i guess there's there's other players on the board that maybe from, from an analytical standpoint uh you know a guy like a Haley warring looks really good um equally as athletic more production what uh what's the thing that puts you over the top with a player like dawson nosk versus some of these other guys that were still available I think it's just the versatility of it. And like I said, the Vikings aren't a team that's going to let one guy be one way or the other. They're going to force their guys into being a two-way player. So, And the hard thing about tight end is that they're essentially learning two positions in one. And what I mean by that is they're learning to be a receiving threat and a blocking threat. And I think Knox would be a bit more ahead of the curve as opposed to Warren just because he provides value in both areas as opposed to just being a receiving threat. So he'll get on the field much sooner. Okay, well, while you guys were giving us that great analysis, we went ahead and slid right through uh, round five because uh, we had no picks. So we are motoring along here and uh, are back on the clock. Players that are available here, Alizé Mack, uh, John Comiskey of the University of Charleston, Tyree Brady, Antoine Wesley, Stanley Morgan Jr., LJ Scott, Joe Giles Harris and a litany of other players that I really have not ever heard of. So <laughs> Jr., uh, this is your time. This is your time to shine. Um, what D tackles are available are still on the board. I'm trying to see. That's really the position they need to fill. So with D tackles, um, the best available, we have John Comiskey, Dontavius Russell, Jonathan Ledbetter, Albert Huggins, Ed Alexander are the, the top choices there. Yeah, this might be a little bit of a reach, um, but Byron Coward is a good name probably to take right here. And I like him because former number one overall recruit in the country, but he bounced from Auburn uh, to Maryland and he has some off the field things going on with him. The talent has always been there, but the production hasn't always backed it up. And we've seen Mike Zimmer in the past and uh, Andre Patterson also get the best out of these guys. And he's a big guy. He's your typical he can play either one. He can play the shade, I think, or three technique position. Uh, a bit undersized, I would say, for a nose tackle. But as far as a three technique, I think he can fit in that spot. I think he's about 6'3 and hovering around 300 pounds. I'm not sure exactly uh, where he did measure as far as the combine. But I think he's a really good risk or flyer to take in this spot in the fifth round. And you, uh, you were right on it there. He's 6'3, coming in at 298. 
uh, very uh, discord above average on a, from a burst perspective here, looking at player profiler, uh, not the quickest speed store. Was, speed score wasn't the greatest, but um, yeah, it looks like a player that does fit the, uh, the, the profile of a player that, uh, that a Zimmer might like miles. Uh, I know we're getting deep into things here based on who is available. What are you liking at this position? I saw yeah. Stanley Morgan there and thought of you, but you know we already did go and get a wide receiver one. So I don't know if we're are, are we double dipping. Can you go to the guard center positions real quick? Just want to see who's available. Okay, so we're looking at the guards here. Jr. What's that first name? Chidi O Kiki. Here we go. Chidi O Kiki. Yeah. Tyler Jones, Alex Bars, Ryan Bates, and Jr. Another one for you. Bars is a good player, and Bars he probably he probably would be a player I would be very interested in. Now, he played the opposite guard of when Quentin Nelson was there. He played right guard. No, he, yeah, he played right guard when Quentin Nelson was playing left guard, but he got injured, and injuries has really been the thing with him. But when he did play, he played really well, and I think injuries just probably was going to cause him to slip to probably the fifth or the sixth round. Uh, he wasn't even able to perform at the combine, but there's a lot of reports out there that he is ahead of schedule. He's a big guy. I think he's like nearly 6'7", 310 pounds or 315 pounds, something of that nature. And a lot of people are kind of questioning if he would fit in the zone scheme. And I do. I'm a bit skeptical of that, too. But getting him at this position in the draft, he's a guy just like Coward. I'm willing to take a flyer on, especially a guy that's had an injury history that you maybe could get some value out of, not even as a starter. But as a depth piece, yeah. For All me, right, I, so where are we going here? We what, what you would, like, Miles? Which which would, position group are you honing in on? I'm looking at guard. I think is it Jr. You you know better. Uh, High alt Froholt from Jalty uh, Froholt. Yeah, from uh, Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. He, uh, I mean, you look at his athletic profile. I mean, he he fits exactly what the. The Vikings want to do from a scheme perspective. He's almost 6'5", 306. Mm-hmm. Uh, small. He's got short arms, so I'm sure that's 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 going to be a problem. But uh, he tested pretty well. Um, his three-cone was extremely good and his 20-yard shuttle. So some of those things that uh, you, you kind of look for to fit this scheme, uh, that'd be one of the names. I do like Alex Barr, too, so I'd have no issue with either one of those guys. But um, this guy, to me, has got he's got some of that uh, – late round flyer where he's got that athletic upside. Yeah, Froholt is a much better fit in a zone scheme as compared to Bars. All right. So I've heard you guys throw a couple names around at uh at the the offensive line, the interior offensive line. JR threw one out at a, you know, interior defensive line. Which way are we going here? Which position group are we going to if I had to, you know, we have to make a call right now. JR, where are you going? Which one do you want to 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 tackle first here? I'm going to go with Coward just because I want to get an extra body in there at defensive tackle. And I think probably the fifth is a little bit early for Froholt. To me, I think I had him in the sixth or seventh round range, and I think he's still probably going to be there. So This I'm is the sixth round. Yeah, we're oh, in the sixth now. Sorry. Yeah, oh, we, we, we don't have, have a fifth. Fire. We don't have a fifth round pick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's just go with Froholt. That's fine. And Miles, you I mean, you brought him up. You on, you on board with this as well? Yeah, that's fine with me. Uh, I, right. I was cool either way. Okay, so we are hitting it up. The options. Froholt, it is. And uh, we keep moving things along here. I guess uh, we'll go with JR here. You did uh, have a little bit to say about Froholt, but can you tell us a little bit more about why you think he's uh, such a good fit for the Vikings? Um, well, 
I kind of he kind of turned me off a little bit as far as his film. And I don't want to pound on him and be negative about him a lot, but he's a huge project. And he started off as a defensive lineman. He was a highly touted recruit coming out out of Florida, I believe it was. Um, he's from overseas. I don't remember exactly where he was from, but he has a really interesting story. He bounced back and forth between there and here before settling at IMG Academy. And that's really where he started to blow up. He ended up at Arkansas and Alabama was really hot on him prior to that point. But he went ended up going to Arkansas as a defensive lineman and he played there his freshman year. And then he transitioned to the other side of the ball. He has experience at center and guard. But he kind of gets disinterested in games, and he takes plays off. That's really the thing that worries me about him. But if he's able to get with a demanding demanding position coach like Rick Dennison, who I think is an above-average offensive line coach, maybe he's able to get the most out of him and get more consistency out of him and just learn to finish plays by playing through the whistle as opposed to just stopping in the middle and being a play watcher, which is something that's easily correctable, which is just effort. So as far as a technique standpoint, I think he's pretty strong for the most part, but he does have that way below average wingspan and it does show up in his play. Uh, some guys are able to get inside of his chest and he really does struggle with length. So I think he's probably going to have to be a center, but, I mean, a guy that can be a depth piece that really does satisfy your need as far as a long, a later down the line type of guy at any interior spot. I think he can be that. All right. All right. And we are back on the clock here again in round six. And uh, I mean, Byron Coward still on the board. Is that the way we're going? Or Miles, is there someone else you want us to take a look at here? Let's do it. All right. So we uh, satisfied both of those needs here. Ultimately, the uh, the decision didn't really matter because both players were going to be available for us there. And, uh, yeah, we are almost done, almost closing this thing out here, bringing it back to the final round. Uh, Miles Jarrett, as we kind of go through things right here, the uh, you know, positional needs, as stated by uh, Fanspeak, that are still left for us here are edge, center, cornerback, and running back. Um, from your perspective, which of these is the most important for the Vikings to look to address before this draft winds down? Miles, I'll start with you. Uh, you said edge, center, and what was it? Running back? Were those three? Cornerback and running back. Cornerback, too. Um, I mean, at this point, I mean, obviously in the draft, we haven't traded Trey Wayne. So to me, um, I wouldn't call cornerback a need this year. Obviously, in the, if you're looking ahead into the future, cornerback's going to be a need because – Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander are both free agents. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to afford both of them. Um, so I could definitely see that being a need. So uh, I could see that being addressed, or I would say probably edge will be the other one. Um, I Obviously, I, I do believe they, they'll, they'll grab another running back at some point, uh, whether it's late in the draft or if it's as a, an under, undrafted free agent. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, it would be edge or cornerback in this situation. All right. Well, we are on the clock, and the players that are available overall are Wes Hill, running back from Slippery Rock, Greg Dorch, Deontay Johnson, Zach Gentry. Shout out to uh, Dakota Allen. Uh, <laughs> uh, JR, I'll start with you here. Uh, any of these positions or any of these players jump out at you? Are there any position groups you want me to take a closer look at? Yeah, so the obvious pick here for me is Greg Dortch, but I think that's probably unrealistic to get him at this point. So I'm just going to keep it realistic. And a guy I did like uh, since Edge is my top need right now, and his name is Daryl Johnson from North Carolina A&T. 
a guy that has a really good profile. I had a chance to see this kid essentially grow up uh, from when I was at North Carolina Central uh, when I was coaching there. So I've seen, I played against this kid. Well, I've coached against him. I shouldn't say played against him. I have an extended experience against him, very long, every bit of 6'6", 240 pounds. Uh, I don't think his combine weight or what he weighed at, I don't think that's what he played at last year. But he's that guy similar to like Adey Aruna from a year ago that has that athletic upside, but he needs to gain some weight. I think he's strictly a defensive end. But you talk about a guy that has fantastic speed. He gets up the field right now. He's very strong, very diverse with his hands. But he has some work to do as far as a run defender. But getting him in the building and getting him to work with Andre Patterson, I think that would be fantastic. Now, he's not going to contribute his first year, even his second year. But as far as his third or fourth year, and once he gets to the back end of his rookie deal, I think he could be a really good contributor in that defensive end rotation. All right. Love that. Love that. Miles, uh, any of these players jumping out at you across any of the positions, any of the other groups you want me to take a look at? Yeah, can you go to cornerback and probably kicker? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here at cornerback, we have, what is what is this, Blesson Austin, Montre Hardage, Ryan Pulley, Derek Thomas, uh, Elijah Holder, Jordan Wyatt. Anyone jumping out at you, Miles? Not, not really. I'd probably go back to, to JR's uh, point here, to Daryl Johnson. Okay, so Daryl Johnson is the pick. And we're back on the clock, gentlemen. The board is largely unchanged. Uh, Greg Dorch, number one uh, available, but as Jair said, likely not to be there. Zach Gentry, Dakota Allen, and various others. Jr., uh, which way are you going now based on what you uh, can see on the board? Or are there any position groups you want me to zoom in on for you? No, oh, this is an easy pick for me. It's Gardner Minshew from Washington I was State. I was to say. <laughs> and I'm of the belief that you should take a quarterback maybe every year, every other year. But I think Minshew is a guy that could have a Case Keenum arc type of like career. And just to give a little background about him, I'm actually a big fan of him. And prior to last season, when he went to Washington State, he was at ECU and also Northwest Mississippi Junior College. And he's won everywhere he's been. And he was going to go to Alabama to be Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa's backup prior to Mike Leach calling him up and giving him a scholarship and telling him that he would start at Washington State. He went there, set all types of records. Now, he's not a guy that's going to blow you away with his arm, a bit shorter. He's only about 6'1", I think 220 pounds, 215 pounds, something like that. Uh, he's hovering around that. So he's a bit of a smaller type of quarterback, but he's very smart, very cerebral, and he just knows where to go with the ball. So I'm willing to take a chance on a guy like that that can be a late-round lottery ticket type of type of prospect. Love it. Miles, where are you at? What, what, what you thinking? Where do you want to go with this pick? I like Gardner Min- Minshew a lot. Um, so I, that'd be my pick too. Uh, this late in the draft, why not? Boom. There we go. Gardner Minshew. And I think that is it. Have we made it? Are we done? Do we have any more picks? I don't think we have any more picks. Yeah, there it is. So the draft is done. It is in the books. And let us just take a look here. Let us recap where we're at. So round one, Andre Dillard. Round two, Hakeem Butler. Round three, Darnell Savage Jr. Round four, Dawson Knox. Round six, with the first, with our pick seventeen around six, uh, how do we say his name again? This den- this gentleman from Denmark, Jalti Frohold. There we go, Jalti Frohold. <laughs> uh, with the with the pick thirty six in round six, uh, we have Byron Cowart. Uh, round seven, pick thirty three, Daryl Johnson Jr. And bringing things home, pick thirty six in round seven, 
Gardner Minshew. So, Miles, now that you're looking at the whole thing, you can see the entire draft. What are your thoughts on on how we did? And uh, which of these picks is Vikings Twitter likely to be the most upset about? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know if they'd be upset by any spe- any particular name, but I think they'd be upset that they didn't address um, O-line again because I think the idea that you look at the the way the draft went and how the how day two kind of went not having you're you're basically asking Riley telling Riley Reef that he's moving inside to left guard with the addition of Andre Dillard, which I don't have as much of an issue um, as other people, but I understand why other people have that issue because of just recent history and uh, just kind of the expectations for this team and not wanting to play around too much with that with the idea of moving um, a guy that's never played guard into that position. So I under, I'd understand that frustration, so I'd say that's probably where the frustration would come. All right, JR, same to you. Uh, now that the draft is completely unfolded, what are your thoughts on on the hall, how you've done, and where do you think people are going to be most critical of this draft? There's going to be because we waited so long to address the interior offensive line, just like Miles said. A lot of people are going to say, once again, we waited so long to address that spot. And it's a, it's a bit of a projection putting Dillard at left tackle and then Riley Reef sliding him inside to left guard. But like I told y'all, I'm of the belief that tackles are more important than guards, and I think it's more easier to find those interior guards as opposed to dependable tackles. But having Reef, or excuse me, having Dillard and O'Neal as your bookings of the future, I think that's fantastic uh, for the future. But as far as the picks after that, I mean, this draft is a home run. You get Hakeem Butler in the second and Darnell Savage in the third round, which are two guys I have in my top 40. So the first three rounds, I have three guys in my top 40 picks or my top 40 rankings, which is a great situation to be in. Dawson Knox is an intriguing guy in the fourth round. And then after that, you're just taking shots in the dark uh, with Jolte Froholt, Byron Coward, Daryl Johnson, and then Gardner Minshew at the end, all notable prospects who I think have some type of upside. So I think it's a home run type of draft, even though we failed to address the interior offensive line early in the draft. Boom. Well, I am uh, inclined to agree with all of that, mostly because after we got past round three, I didn't know who any of those players were anyway. So I uh, I trust that you both know what you're talking about. You've been doing a lot of research on this stuff for the entire draft <laughs> season. So, uh, yeah, if y'all are good with it, I'm good with it. And uh, listeners, we hope you're good with it, too. It was the first one of these we've done. It'll probably be the only one of these we do this draft season. So uh, the next time we do this, it'll probably be just as rocky as this time around. But it was fun. Listen to you guys on the fly, kind of work through why you like the players that you like, why you go in the direction that you will. And that's it. That is all. That is our Climbing the Pocket live mock draft. Yeah, we'll be back talking to you guys soon. Have a good one.